any of you ever come to the place in your spiritual life where you feel like you just totally disappointed God? Have you ever come to the place where you uh, decided that you could never have the faith walk that at one point you thought you could? The reason why I'm asking that is because in the passage we read today, where we hear Peter and Jesus talking, walking along the beach, we are coming into a uh, something that's been going on for three and a half years. Peter began walking with the Lord some three and a half years before we find him and Jesus walking along the beach after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And what has just transpired is so much like the first time that they met, it's uncanny. Because you see, this encounter where Jesus is there with Peter began whenever the disciples were out fishing and they saw someone on the bank and someone said, it's the Lord. And they go in and uh, he he yells to them, if you don't have any fish, cast your net over on that side of the boat. They did. And they wound up with more fish than they could have imagined, except for one time before. And that was at the very beginning when Jesus first began teaching. And he pushed out in Peter's boat and he taught from Peter's boat. And afterward, Jesus told him to let down his nets and he'd catch some fish. And Peter told him, Master, we fished all night and we haven't caught a thing. But if you want me to, I'll do it. And so to please the Lord, he threw down the net, they cast out the net. And lo and behold, they wound up with so many fish in the net that the nets were beginning to break. And they had to call other people to come from the shore and uh, bring their boats and help get all the fish in. So uh, a very similar type situation. And I can understand why. Now, what happened after Peter experienced this tremendous load of fish that was brought in was all of a sudden he realized whose presence he was in. He realized he was in the presence of the Lord. And his response was to fall on his knees, even though they were out in the water, and say, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. And what was Jesus' reply? Basically, it was, Follow me, and I'll make you fisher of men. Well, Peter followed him. And in that time that he followed him, there were ups and downs in his following the Lord, weren't there? There were those good times and there were those bad times. He had great successes and he had tremendous failures as well. You know, first of all, I want to back up and say that 
whenever Peter first realized that Jesus was the Lord, the Lord revealed himself to him something that was very common to Peter through fishing. And this is the way that he begins many times with a lot of us, isn't it? He first begins to speak to us through those things that are close to us, those things that we're familiar with. If you'll recall, with Moses, it was a burning bush, something that was ordinary, but there was something different about it. With Peter, it was fishing. He showed him something miraculous through fishing. It looked like something that could have happened, but it spoke to Peter's heart. And maybe it's that way with you. Maybe it was something commonplace that uh, first of all began to get your attention. I remember one of the things that really began to get my attention whenever I was just wondering if there really was a God was I began to see scriptural principles playing out in the marketplace and in the business world. Uh, things like, uh, uh, Joe Beth and I were talking about this before church. Uh, my first job was with J.C. Penney's. Their, uh, uh, their slogan was, the customer's always right. And they lived by that. And it was uh, kind of like the golden rule. But the thing is, people would come in with shorts that had been washed for two years and were falling apart that were a Sears brand and come up and say, I bought these last week. I washed them one time and look at them. And what we would do is say, well, we don't seem to have that particular uh, short anymore, but let's get you something close to it. We're sorry. And we would let them have it. And it seemed like poor business practice. But I tell you what, people love to come and shop at Penny's because they knew that the clerks weren't going to argue with them about stuff. And just think today, isn't it pleasant whenever you have a clerk that doesn't argue with you? You know, or, or anyway. So anyway, but that's, uh, that's just it. I began, and it, it looked like it was bad business to do that. And yet the Lord blessed him because he did it. When I was in management training, uh, they taught me, uh, uh, in the insurance industry that, uh, if you're going to be promoted, you're going to have to delegate your authority. You're going to have to share your authority with other people. You're going to have to take those people that are working for you and teach them how to do your job. Because if you don't have someone trained to do your job, we can't promote you. You're going to have to just stay where you are. And it just clicked. He who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life will find it. The thing is, if you're trying to climb the corporate ladder, the worst thing you could do was make yourself so indispensable in your job because nobody else could do it because then you were stuck on that rung and you couldn't get any higher. And I began to see these principles just all around me and it began to get my attention. And so that's the way he begins with many of us is through the commonplace things. It may be just the fact that the Lord give us, gives, gives us eyes that see color. He didn't give many animals eyes that see color. Every time you see the beautiful blue bonnets out here and you just see the beauty of the paintbrushes and all, that is a love gift from God to human beings. 
we see so many more beautiful things than many other animals that see monochromatically can see. There's so many things all around that uh, he speaks to us through if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. With Peter, it was fishing. Well, but then whenever he came to know in whose presence he was, he says, depart from me. He didn't feel good enough to even be in God's presence, did he? And yet Jesus didn't go away, did he? In fact, he said, come on, let's go. I've got a job for you to do. And obviously, Peter did it. It says, they left everything and followed him. And so for three and a half years, he follows. Now, there's some of you that you, maybe you haven't really gotten started with the Lord because uh, you just don't think you're good enough. Just like Peter. And the thing is, you're never going to be good enough to get started. I've had so many people tell me in different ways, well, yeah, I'm, I, I want to start uh, this Christian thing, but I've got some things I've got to get straight first, you know, and or uh, I've got to certain things that I've got to do first. Sometimes it's kind of scary what those things might be. You know, I mean, one time there was a serial killer that I was talking to. I don't know what he had in store. But uh, anyway, there's there are things that uh, many times hold us back because we feel like we have to clean up our lives before we come to Jesus. That's like taking a bath before you take a shower. There's no need in doing that. He's going to be the one that cleans you up. You can't clean yourself up. And so you come to him. How's the song say? Just as I am, you come to him. He says, follow me and I will make you. He may not make you a fisher of men like he did Peter. He's going to make you what he intends for you to be. He's going to be at work in your life, helping you become that very person that deep inside you long to be and that you know you're created to be. He wants to help you be that person. He's going to make you into that person if you'll faithfully follow him. He doesn't need people that have it all together. He needs people that are fat. That's what he needs. And I don't mean the 90s thing of P-H-A-T. That's not what I mean. What I mean is F-A-T. Faithful, available, and teachable. Those are the qualities of a disciple of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You have to be all three. You have to be faithful. You have to be willing to stick in there with him. Hang there with him. Be there when he calls on you. You have to be faithful. You have to be available. Whenever he calls for you to do something, you need to be ready to do it. And you have to be teachable, not argue with him. And we see that Peter was all these things. He left all to follow the Lord. He was faithful and he was available. And yes, he was teachable. 
And you see this by the fact that he didn't get mad and stomp off whenever he was rebuked or corrected. He learned. He was teachable. Just think of all the things that he went through. Just think of those times whenever Jesus just sent them out and they, they come back rejoicing. Lord, even the demons have to go in your name. And then those times whenever he says, no, Lord, no, Lord, there's no way you're going to go to the cross. And he's rebuked. And he's actually, Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, to actually be called Satan by the Lord, that had to hurt. But Peter stuck in there. How many of y'all would stick in there with somebody that was instructing you if they started calling you the devil? You know, I mean, he was faithful. He was available and he was teachable. And so uh, he goes on with success, successes and failures. One of the successes was when who do, who do people say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. There are those good times. And then there are those times whenever he is rebuked. And then we hear Jesus telling right before he goes to the cross, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you are converted, when you come back, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Do you remember what Peter said? I will never forsake you, even though, you know, they, they, they try to kill us. You know, I'm not going to forsake you. And then he's told three times, you'll deny me before the cock crows. And the third time that he denies Jesus, just as Jesus has been led back out into the courtyard and he has just cursed and said, I don't know the man. Jesus looks right at him and he looks right into Jesus's eyes and the rooster crows. And three of the gospels say he wept bitterly. It amazes me that John didn't make a big deal out of that. John is gracious to Peter at this point. You would think, I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've noticed the competition that John seems to feel with Peter. He always makes it clear that he's the one that Jesus loved. You know, he's the one that Peter had to ask to ask Jesus uh, who it was that was going to betray him because John was there closer to him than Peter was and John wanted to make sure that you knew that. Whenever they race to the tomb, John makes sure that you understand that John won the race. He just let Peter go on in. Have you ever noticed that sort of a 
comparison type competition going on between those two? And I would expect John at this point to say, he cried like a little baby. But he didn't, did he? John was growing in grace, I guess, even as now he had great respect for Peter, is what it was. He really did. And so he spared Peter that in his gospel. Peter wept bitterly. He was so disappointed in himself. He had let his Lord down. And you don't hear any more from Peter until after the resurrection and the angel appears to the women and he and the angel tells them, go tell the disciples and Peter. It's like Peter doesn't even feel like he could be a part of the group anymore and the Lord knows it. And so you've got to be sure and invite Peter. Let Peter know that he's still a part of the crowd. Let Peter know that he's still loved. Let Peter know it's not over yet. And so Peter shows up, still faithful, still available, still teachable, but so humbled by what he has now been through. And so we come to this place to where he walks along with Jesus after they've eaten. And Jesus reinstates him. Jesus brings him back in. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And first of all, he says, tend my lambs. Then he says, feed my sheep. And then he says, tend my sheep. Little lambs and little sheep. You remember the last thing he told Peter before he went to the cross, last instructions he gave him was, after you come back, after you get through this, strengthen your brothers. And you see, in a way, Jesus is reiterating that that assignment that he had before still goes. He's getting Peter back on track. And so, what does Peter do? He uh, looks around and he sees John following. He says, uh, hey, Lord, what about him? I love this. I love this because I think this is where Peter was really feeling reinstated. You see, Peter had a lot of issues going on. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. First of all, he, uh, he really didn't like silence. And uh, he really felt like somebody, there are lots of times when somebody needed to say something 
And if nobody else said it, he was going to say it. And so like on the Mount of Transfiguration, after Jesus has just blown them away, I mean, he's there, he's been transfigured, he's there with, uh, with Moses and Elijah, and uh, then all of a sudden that leaves and it's quiet. Nobody knows what to say. And so Peter has to say something. Hey, Lord, it's good that we're here. Let's let's do this. And so Peter's always one that feels like you gotta be you gotta say something, you gotta do something. Even though it might be the wrong thing, you gotta say something or do something. He's the one that rebukes Jesus and tells he's got control issues, you see. He's trying to he even tells Jesus what he needs to do from time to time. He has a real hard time being teachable, but he is teachable. But he has these issues. And you see, this is just it. He has these ups and downs. But it doesn't mean that he's not the Lord's. This is what I want to get across to you. Peter excelled. Peter crashed and burned. But in all of it, he was still the Lord's. And there are a couple of them. Whenever the, the last thing here is whenever he says, hey, what about John? Comparison. Comparison. How many people measure themselves by the people around them and value themselves by the people around them and don't feel better about themselves whenever somebody else has a lesser spot and feel worse about themselves when somebody has a better spot? You see, that was one of Peter's issues. There were... There's two issues still. Whenever he denied Jesus, you see, Peter had to go through that denial. He had to do it so that he could become a fisher of men. He couldn't have a fear of people and proclaim the gospel in front of all different sorts of enemies to the gospel. He couldn't proclaim the truth if he was worried about what other people were going to think. And so you see, Peter had to go through this time of denial, of denying Jesus, so that he could understand that it wasn't about him. It was about the Lord. And that he was never going to be able to stand in his own strength. But he had a Lord that wanted to use him in spite of himself and was going to use him in spite of himself if he was willing to be used. So you see, I just want you to stop and think about all those times along the way when you felt so disappointed in yourself, when you felt like you've let God down because you see, those were times when you grow. Those are the times when you learn. If you're faithful, available, and teachable, those are the times, yes, they humble you. They bring you to the place where you realize you can't throw stones at anybody anymore. But you also realize the graciousness of God. And you know just how precious you are to Him. And you know it's what He wants done. Not what you want done that matters. 
Well, this reminded me as I was thinking about it of a IBM junior executive that was given a major project by Tom Watson, by the head of uh, IBM back in the 70s. And he blew it royally. He lost a million dollars, made a wrong mistake and lost a million dollars. And then he was called into Mr. Watson's office. The young executive said, well, I guess you want my resignation after what I just did. I guess you want to fire me. And Mr. Watson said, fire you? I've just spent a million dollars on your education. I'm not going to fire you. Those times whenever you feel that you just totally failed, those are times of education. Those are times when you learn what it's really about. You really find out what it means to be the Lord's. And you find out what really matters. And I guess the main message that we should get from this is that even when we crash and burn in serving the Lord, the best is yet to come. So many times we think it's all over. And yet look at Peter. The best was yet to come. He hadn't gotten started being a fisher of men yet. But after he had conquered his fear of people and realized that the Lord and what the Lord thought of him mattered to him much more than what other people thought. Then he could stand on the day of Pentecost and bravely proclaim, this is that which was proclaimed by the uh, prophet Joel. And uh, uh, and, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. He cast a net and he brought in many souls that day. A few days later, again, he stood before a crowd and he proclaimed the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with no care as to what was going to be happening to him because what really mattered was the Lord's opinion of him and when that the Lord's will be done through him and 2,000 more were added to the Lord. And all of a sudden you see he was what Jesus told him he was going to become way back at the beginning, right after he said, and he thought, I'm not worthy to even be in the same boat with you, Jesus. And now he is that person, but he's moving on. He's not going to stay there. He winds up being able to overcome some more things we'll talk about later and step into a Gentile's house and open up the door of the gospel and of the church to the Gentiles as well. He went on and he went on. Some of you may feel like it's all over and the Lord's saying, no, it's not all over. You haven't gotten started yet. No matter how uh, bad you think you've been, 
no matter how far away you think you've drifted, the best is yet to come. And you can end well, no matter how discouraged you might be right now. There's a story of two young men, brothers in a small town long, long time ago. They were always getting in trouble in town, always doing horrible things. And finally, they stole some sheep and they got caught. And as their punishment, the villagers carved S-T into their forehead, to the skin of their foreheads, to brand them as sheep thieves. Well, one of the brothers was so indignant and so embittered by what these people had done to him. He left the town and was never seen in town again. And he wound up just, just, just going off into a world of crime and dying bitter and penniless and alone. But the other brother, he instead realized he'd been on the wrong track. And he repented. And he decided he was going to be a different person even though he was branded for life as being a thief, he didn't have to continue to be like that. And so he turned over a new leaf and he became a model citizen in town. He helped everybody that needed help. He uh, served everywhere he could serve. He became one of the kindest and gentlest and well-liked people in the entire town. Through the years, that red scar faded till it was just a faint white scar, ST, on his forehead. And finally, after many, 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 many years, when he was an old man, a kind old man, that everybody in town loved, some strangers came through and settled there, and they noticed this fellow, and just what a wonderful person he was. But they also noticed the scar on his forehead. And so they asked uh, one of the other citizens there in town, said, what's with the, the scar on his head? And the guy replied and said, you know, it happened so long ago. It's been there so long. None of us really know. But we think it stands for saint. The Lord can take the worst and he can make something new and beautiful out of it, can't he? That's what he wants to do with you. That's what he wants to do with your failures. That's what he wants to do with those times that you have disappointed him and you've known it. He wants you to learn from those so you can continue on now and end well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that no matter what age and stage of life we may be in, no matter how far we may have drifted from you, we thank you that you have made it clear to us today that you're not through with us yet. 
and that the best is yet to come if we're just willing to place our lives in your hands and follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.